Are you a woman, person of color, or a member of some other historically marginalized community who's sick and tired of shrinking to fit into spaces that weren't designed for you? If you're ready to surround yourself with people who think big and you want to get inspired by women who are bold enough to write their own rules, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Build Your Own Table podcast, where we spotlight powerhouse women who got tired of waiting for someone to give them a seat at the table, so they built their own. This is an inclusive space where you can come to listen, get inspired, and make some new connections to help you take that next step into living your best life. I'm your host, Nakia Gray. Welcome to the show. Okay, I am so delighted to have on this episode of the Build Your Own Table podcast, my soror. I was going to say doctor, I'm not going to say doctor, but she is one just so that everyone knows. Uh, Vanessa S. O'Neill, welcome, Sora Vanessa. I am delighted to have you. Thank you so much for joining. Sora Nakia, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here as well. I feel like we've done this before. (laughs) I know. I know. Okay, so let's start with your bio, which is quite impressive. Vanessa S. O'Neill, PhD, is the owner of and senior creative designer for By Vanessa S. LLC and the host of the Handmade Mentor podcast, which I have been lucky enough to be a guest on, and I'm proud to say. She uses her 24 plus years of experience in entrepreneurship, nonprofit development, and senior creative management of publishing to build a community of creatives in each respective field by teaching and educating in person, online, via YouTube, and providing valuable and necessary resources for success. She is a published author and former host of the TV talk show, Seriously Speaking, and a former radio personality. She is a global mentor to small businesses and nonprofits in several countries, including France, South Africa, Mexico, and Canada. She's international, y'all. That's really what that means, okay? Vanessa is a multi-crafter, avid traveler, and pet mom. Welcome. Thank you so much. You have done a lot here, so we got to dig right in. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Let's start with by Vanessa S LLC. Tell us about that company. When did you start it? Why did you start it? And what do you do? So by Vanessa S, now it's an umbrella, but when I started it, it was more retail sales. So I am a sewer. I sew, which is one of my crafts, which is the first craft that started me. And in 2018, I started making handbags out of African fabric. And it really kind of took off because I made a handbag and showed a picture to one of my colleagues and they wanted something similar. So I made them one and someone on our campus saw them walking across the campus and literally went to them and said, hey, I love your bag. Where did you get it? And that brought them back to me. And it just kind of started that way. And so my handbag started becoming known. People were ordering them. I would show them African fabric that I had. They wanted that fabric and I would make bags. So it was kind of like by order. Then I started making them and putting them on. I created a website. I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do something with this because there's something here. And so I created a website. Now, by Vanessa S had not started yet. I had not started with that aspect of it. I was making jewelry, but I had not started with the bags as far as making it a retail sale, so to speak. So I decided, okay, let me make this official. 
I'm going to create this business around these handbags and this jewelry that I'm making. And it just well, kind of started from there. Let mm-hmm. me stop you right there because I okay. think that a lot of times, you know, we have these passion projects and mm-hmm. we have these things that we're really good at. And we were just kind of doing it for fun. You were just making handbags and making jewelry. Right. So what made you say, wait a minute, there's something here. This could be a business. You know, I, I'm always thinking about how not to get in trouble. <laughs> and I so, love that. You're talking to a lawyer, so you know I love right. to that. <laughs> and so when I started the company, like I said, I was making the jewelry and I was selling it kind of on the side. And then I was making the handbags and I was selling on the kind of side. And then it was like, wait, wait a minute here. Okay, I'm making money. This needs to be a business because I didn't want to think, okay, am I making too much money for it to be actual side hustle to where I'm on taxes and things like that? You know, let me make it official. And that's really how I was driven to make it official because I was starting to have so many orders that I was feeling that this is a business and I really need to do something legal with this and I don't want to get in trouble. So that's really kind of like how that came together. I think that's such a great way to start a business though, right? I mean, where some people have the idea to start Mm -hmm. the business and they have no customers yet. Whereas (laughs) for you, (laughs) the business was birthed from a demand for what it is that you were doing. That's impressive. That's something you should be very, very proud of. You were hand making these by yourself. You were the only person. Yes. And you want me to tell you how I started making jewelry? I would love to hear that. (laughs) So I started making jewelry years ago. And it was because at the time I was a nonprofit consultant and I was traveling all over the country uh, teaching nonprofits how to be sustainable, right? Capacity building, nonprofit development, organization development, board development, like grant writing. Like I was traveling around the country. It had gotten to the point that I could literally leave my house on Sunday, come back on Thursday, and then unpack, repack, and leave on Friday, right? Oh, wow. (laughs) You know, so it had gotten like that. And so I already had been diagnosed with high blood pressure. I have attention and it runs in my family. But my doctor said I didn't have an outlet, okay, for stress or I didn't have an outlet. And so it was showing itself in my back. And so he suggested that I find something that I can do to create an outlet, right, to calm. And that's how I started making jewelry. A friend of mine was, was making jewelry and she showed me how to do it. And I just kind of started with there and took my own path towards the type of jewelry I would make. Like I work with natural gemstones and, you know, I like I only use precious metals and things like that. And so I started that way, right, into getting into making jewelry. Well, with sewing, I had been sewing since I was eight. So that was a natural progression. So when it came to making jewelry and making handbags in which I was selling, yes, I was doing this myself. I have never had anything that was sold that was made by anyone else, except for, you know, the other African jewelry that I have. Everything else I make myself or I was making myself. Mm -hmm. And you were making this, this was a side hustle. So you had a Mm full-time job, traveling all over the world. Right. (laughs) And still building this business. That's amazing. By the time I started the business, I was no longer traveling, you know, like that. Uh, That's just how I started making jewelry itself. But yes, it was still a side hustle. And I was literally doing my nine to five. I would come home, do house stuff, do home stuff, you know, deal with my, you know, fur baby, stuff like that. 
And then I was making something, you know, I was sewing something. And so, yeah, it was (laughs) a true outside hustle. I really leveraged my weekends to be that time where I could create. Yeah. And I think that that's the part that I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't talk about, you know, Mm -hmm. within that, that journey. I mean, you are still in that posture, right? So you still have a full-time job and then you also have your business on the side. And I think that for those of us that are full-time entrepreneurs, that was still our journey. I know for me, it's almost like your business is your second job. That's your part-time job. (laughs) It's the part-time job. Exactly. And, yeah. it's, and 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 even though it's the part-time job, you're working it, right? It's full-time. You really have two full-time jobs as an entrepreneur. Absolutely. It's just one Absolutely. gets less time than the other. Yeah, exactly. And I think if your goal is to make it your full-time revenue source, you're going to have to work it full-time. I mean, you're exactly. going to have to treat it that way, yep. right? You do. You know, mm-hmm. Before I left the law firm that I was working at, I hired a coach and I worked with her for a full year Mm -hmm. on preparing myself to make this exit. And when I tell you for that year, every minute of every day was Mm -hmm. dedicated to either this, either my job or this. And I used to always say the company that I worked for, the law firm that I worked Mm -hmm. at, that was my first investor. They were my first investor into my <laughs> business because that paycheck was going to fund everything. <laughs> exactly. And see, and exactly. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially new aspiring ones, you know, I don't think they really get that. And I have heard stories where people, well, I'm going to quit my job and pursue this. And that's okay. I'm not, you know, knocking that. But if you quit your job to pursue this, what's going to fund it? Because it has to be funded. And so I try to let people know that you keep your day job until you can wean off that paycheck that's paying for this, especially if you are, you know, in retail sales, whatever it is you're making, you know, buying or whatever, it costs money. And if you don't have money to do it, you don't have a business, you know, you don't have a business. Absolutely. And I think that's like finding that, accepting that, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think you know, I say all the time, I have a love-hate relationship with social media because I think <laughs> that I love social media for many reasons, but also it looks easy. And so yeah. many entrepreneurs are showing this highlight reel of mm-hmm. how they're taking long lunches and they're vacationing and they're living this fabulous life. I'm their lawyer, so I know the truth, okay? <laughs> what you see, all that glitters ain't gold, people, Okay. <laughs> I know what's happening behind the scene. And I'm not saying that we have to just be morbid and, and that entrepreneurship sucks. But there are some times, honey, <laughs> where that money isn't always free-flowing. When you do have to make some decisions and mm-hmm. some investments in mm-hmm. your business, and when you don't have to worry about where the money's going to come from because you got, you know, this right. job, nine to five, that's paying that every two weeks. And I think we're starting to see that. Tell me, are you seeing this in your world? We're starting to see a lot of people backtrack. I'm seeing a lot of people mm-hmm. that are closing their businesses yes. and deciding to go back to nine to fives. Are you seeing that? Tell me what you think about that. You know, I am seeing that. I am seeing a lot of it. And I actually know a couple of people that had, you know, really nice businesses. One had a, a really nice thriving business and she is going back to work. I know someone else 
that I mentored, matter of fact, that decided that they were going to close their business altogether. They were not thriving. They struggled. You know, they were struggling and then just said, "I, I just can't do this anymore. I am seeing it. And what I can say is this. I'm like, I have a love-hate relationship with social media, but for a different reason. I think, you know, I'm a what you see is what you get person. And so one of the things that I noticed, and we all know about these algorithms, right? Yes. And I had a rude awakening (laughs) with algorithms. I'm going to tell you the story. So a few years back, matter of fact, this was during COVID when the pandemic had just started and we had to pivot, right? Yeah. Everybody had to pivot. And I was prepared for the pivot because I had already had an e-com. My, my business was already online. There wasn't a lot for me to have to do. But I figured that since I wasn't doing vending anymore, you know, because everything was shut down, I was going to have to do more of social media. So I decided, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have a sale and I'm going to, you know, put it on Instagram. You know, I had a nice Instagram account. I'm going to put it on there and we're going to do this great sale, right? And so at the time I had like 300 subscribers. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to have the sale. And I created, you know, these Instagram posts for the sale and everything. And then in my mind, it was like, okay, once I post this, it's like the door is open to the sale. So everybody just come in and shop, right? Yeah. Because that's what you would expect. Yeah. So I had, you know, just everything ready and I was excited about it. So I posted and then I didn't receive any response. And so I posted again. I didn't receive a response. And I could not figure that because understand that when you have vending events, people like flock. Yeah. As soon as they see it, you know, they flock. And so I'm like, wait a minute now, something's wrong here. What's going on? I didn't get any responses at all. So I looked into the insights. My brother said, look into the insights and see what's going on. And it said, Accounts reached two. <laughs> you got to pay to play on social and media. Yeah. Account reached two. <laughs> you know, now I'm looking at the insights and I'm seeing that my followers receiving yeah. the information for the sale. Only two accounts were reached to get to the sale. I was so disheartened and so <laughs> disappointed because I didn't know anything about algorithms. So I thought, okay, once I put this out here, my followers will see it, right? And that's not the case. And so I think that going back to your original question on people backtracking, there's a lot of reasons for that. And I think, again, if you start off on a foundational footing, you know, you can kind of weather some things. But if you don't have a foundational footing, it's easy to get eaten up in social media and, you know, say, okay, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And I think it's worse now, honestly. I feel like it is so difficult to reach people without pain. Right. But you know, know, Nakia, here's the thing, right? You can pay for ads and still not break that ceiling. That's true. And, And so if social media is the primary way you're trying to promote your business, nine times out of 10, it's not gonna happen. Not the way that you want it to. You know, I had to make a decision. Matter of fact, I just really recently made a decision. So we used to do vending events. And I loved vending events because, like I said, you know, with the type of product that I had, when you see it, you want it. And that was easy. You know, I would have people, there's this one cowrie shell necklace that was 
always sold out. And I got those necklaces from Kenya. And literally, someone would walk by it. They look at it. Oh, I want this. I'm going to come back and get it. And I wouldn't say anything because I'm not a hard seller. And they would say, I'm going to come back and get it. Girl, 10 minutes later, the comeback is gone. <laughs> you know, And so I love that about vending events. Yeah. But I decided after COVID, that whole pandemic thing, I didn't want to do vending events any, anymore. It's too taxing and it's too hard, you know, on my body, you know, yeah. mentally. So I didn't want to do it anymore. So I have to find a way to supplement that, right? Yes. And so I was in that mindset, oh, I'm just going to use social media. I would fail. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a marketing guru, right? Mm-hmm. So, you mm-hmm. know, and old school marketing, right? So I went to college for that. I have a bachelor's in marketing. And I'd say to my clients all the time, don't abandon traditional marketing. You know, I'm mm-hmm. all for, you know, social media has been a great way. And digital marketing is definitely a big part of my marketing mix mm-hmm. within my company. However, I do not put all my eggs in that basket, right? Right, I exactly. Mm-hmm. And traditional marketing still works. Right. Networking still works. Word of mouth still works. Uh-huh. Uh, getting referrals still works. In-person events still right. work, people. Right. Exactly. So if you don't feel like you've cracked that code in the digital marketing space, don't give up. Because we don't know how long those platforms are even going to be around. <laughs> exactly. Look at TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? So yeah, you're yeah. right. I agree with you. And I think it's important. I have always felt that the best way to be successful is to have variety, have options, right? Yeah. I have choices. and I, But I agree with you on traditional. I am not 100% all in on digital because yeah. it's such a fluid platform. Anything that moves that quickly. You know, today is cool and tomorrow is not. Right. <laughs> you know, and then you have so much input. You have to, you know, the demographics and you know, who's looking, who's listening, what time are they watching? If you post something at two o'clock on Tuesday, that's too late. You know, that, <laughs> that's just too much. It's a lot of rules. It's a lot of rules to play by. It's a lot of rules to play by. So I know that you, you know, after you had some success in your handmade business, you began calling yourself and also providing mentorship to other right. entrepreneurs. How did that start? It started with, there's an organization called Micro Mentor. Okay. And I became a member of the Micro Mentor Mentor Program. They have both sides. They have mentors and then they have entrepreneurs all over the world. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I became a mentor. And so what you would do is as a mentor, they have a platform. It's almost like a dating service if you look at it, right? You have an online platform and you have all of you know specializations and it, my bio and all of that. And then entrepreneurs, depending on what they were looking for, they would go to it and they would say, oh, okay, I want to be mentored by this person because we have similar interests. And then they would contact you. Now, everyone does it different, but what I would do, because I have specializations, I had questions that they had to ask. I mean, had to answer in order for me to determine whether or not I would mentor them, right? So you couldn't come, you know, and say, okay, well, I'm a sheep herder. I can't <laughs> offer you anything. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't know yeah. anything about that. And so I was very specific. So they would answer the questions and I would determine whether or not I would mentor them. And so through that, I had mentorships, like I had New Zealand, I had mentees from New Zealand and France and, you know, 
I had some in Asia. I've had them in the Caribbean. And so in Africa, you have a platform to talk to them. So like we're talking now on Zoom, I would have sessions with them. They would get assignments. They would have specific questions. Now, was this paid? No, it was no. This was volunteer. This was volunteer work that I did. Yes. Wow. So you just were pouring into these entrepreneurs. Yes. And, you know, I have a soft spot for for global emerging markets anyway. Yeah. And some of my mentees were here in the United States and some of them were abroad. And entrepreneurship is important to me. And I think that I've gone through enough. This isn't my first business. Actually, this is the third. And all of my businesses have been successful. But some things I wish I had learned. I had a mentor of some sort. And so I do volunteer. You know, I'm bred in volunteer work. And I know that you understand that. right? (laughs) And so when I look at what I can give back, I don't have a lot of physical time to give back. But when it comes to a few things, entrepreneurship, nonprofit development, and publishing, I can give you that all day long. And so that's kind of where my ministry is. And so, yeah, it was volunteer. and But the experience was not just theirs. It was mine too. Because, yeah. you know, some of the businesses that I have mentored, they have doing some remarkable things. And so when yeah. you see that and you can be a part of that, in the early part of the year, I received an email from with this news article in it. And At first, I started to just delete it because I thought it was spam. And something said, no, you need to look at this. And what it was, it was a copy of an article that was written about one of my mentees. And they mentioned me in the article. Wow. So, yeah. And so, you know, when you get that type, you know, of accolade, it it pulls it all together. Yeah. Yeah. And just to feel that you're making a difference, right? Right. You know. Mm -hmm. You're making a difference in someone's life. That's a very rewarding because it's never all about us. It's never right. just for us, right? right? And I have to tell myself that when I'm, you know, in going through things, especially as, you know, as a coach, as a mentor, some of the horrible things or the losses that I've had to take, right? right? Mm-hmm. I did that for you. Right, exactly. <laughs> so now, you know, I can say to my client, look, don't do this because exactly. this will get you here. It's so rewarding when you're able to do that. You're able to say to people, look, it took me three years to reach this goal. I can help you do it in six months because I learned all the, I can tell you how to do it. These are the missteps that I took. And I think that we don't understand the value in that. I am at a stage in my life where I certainly do, right? Mm -hmm. I certainly understand that. I'm at a stage and age (laughs) I don't have time to learn everything the hard way. I just don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm glad that you said that the stage that you are, right? And then understanding that, you know what, it's something that you can give to someone else so that they don't have to do it. I can honestly say that the support and network that I've had coming up, I've always had support, whether it was, you know, just being there, providing information, the shoulders that I'm standing on. Right. Right. And I don't take that lightly. And so anyone I deal with in this capacity, as far as, you know, mentoring them or, you know, providing some type of insight into entrepreneurship and business, I want them to be able to say the shoulders that they are standing on. Right. And I want to be a good example to that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about the podcast, the Handmade Mentor Podcast. 
How was that birthed? <laughs> <laughs> so, Nakia, so it started with a different podcast. I started with a podcast. I wanted to do something. I have a YouTube channel. And I was like, you know, this is just too much. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I wanted to do something that I thought I could create impact with the community. The first podcast was called Let's Just Be. And the dynamics for this was women in their 50s without children that were never married, right? Wow. And it's a niche, right? Yeah, and absolutely. I, and I love doing it because the topics that I had were relevant to us. But it just seemed like it was going down a path of end of life, right? <laughs> it wasn't. You know, it was, and some of the topics that I had, like, okay, like relationship building and, you know, insurance. And it was great topics, but it just did not make me feel happy or fun. Right. Yeah. And I wanted to do happy or fun. When I think of happy and fun, what do I think of? Me crafting. That's a big thing yeah. for me. I love crafting. I'm a multi crafter. I try new crafts, and there's so much to learn. The thought started with me wanting to do something fun. But it also started with me learning. Did you know that people still make paper by hand? Did you no, know that? Okay, no way. me either. Right? <laughs> so, yes. And so I started looking at different crafts. When I, st- I had the idea, if I do a podcast about crafting, what would it be about? Right? So right. I started looking at different crafts, you know, just looking, Googling. Right? And I'm like, that's an actual craft? People do that? You know? And so the more I learned, the more I wanted to learn. And I said, that's it right there. The Handmade Mentor was already a brand of mine because of the fact that I create things, right? So I had already had that. So that fell in line. It was like, well, what would I call it? Hmm, The Handmade Mentor. That's what it is. Well, what would it be about? Well, crafting, crafts, creatives, artists, and makers. That's what it would be about. And so it just kind of developed that way, right? And as it started to develop in my mind, then I started thinking about, well, who would I interview? What would I interview them about? What would I say? And that's how it just came to be. I had no idea that it was going to turn into what it has turned into. Yeah. When did you start the podcast? So this podcast, The Handmade Mentor, started in September of 2022. It's new. Wow. Oh, I did yes, not ma'am. know that. Yes. We just ended season one. Okay. Right? Now, the Just Be podcast, how long did you do that before you realized it was not aligned with what you really mm-hmm. wanted? So I started the first episode was released in March of this year. Okay. And it went from March till I think I had 10 episodes, eight, eight or nine episodes, maybe 10. So up until about July, it was in July. So about March to July and around July, I just kind of like, I need to make some changes. And so I took that hiatus and made the changes and start, you know, changing everything around. And then I released the first episode of Handmade Mentor in September. Got it. And the thing is, I'm big on two things, spirit and resistance, right? When I find resistance is something, that's normally my spirit telling me to stop or pivot, right? And so I noticed with Let's Just Be, I was having a hard time coming up with topics, 
And then being able to get the guests that I wanted or getting guests for it. When I started The Handmade Mentor, I didn't have any It fell in line. Oh my gosh. I would send an email and say, hey, I'm interested in you being, you know, a guest of my, yes, yes, absolutely, yes. You know, and they would come and it just turned into this thing. So we just wrapped up season one. You were a part of season one. And then we're going into season two. And when I tell you that I have interviews, (laughs) okay, like this going into season two, (laughs) right? I mean, it's just been a blast. So that's how it started. So what's your, you know, we're recording this at the end of 2022. Mm-hmm. So for your two businesses, mm-hmm. what's your big 2023 goal? What do you want to see happen? And, and, and we'll we'll start with the Hand Mentor podcast since that's where we are. What's your big goal for that business in 2023? So the Handmade Mentor, the podcast, what I really want to do is I can't really say that I want to increase the capacity because it's doing that on its own, (laughs) right? But I do have a wish for it. I want to, and it's self-sustaining, right? The podcast is self-sustaining, right? I don't have any sponsors. I don't have anything. It's self-sustaining. It's on its own. I want it to be transcribed, right? Because right now it's not transcribed. And I feel like I'm missing a part of an audience, which is the hearing challenged audience. And so- my 2023 is for it to continue to grow. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you saw your email or not that I sent, but the Handmade Mentor in this short amount of time from September to December, we are in 22 countries on five continents. Wow. With regular listeners. And we have a 47, as of yesterday, it was 47% of recurring listeners, which means wow. that we have a high percentage of people who are listening to more than one of the episodes, yeah. right? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. we're on five continents. We're in 22 countries. You know, we're in the United States. So I feel like the scaling part is working itself out, but I want to do more. And that would be to have the episodes transcribed. So that's really what I want to do, along with keeping the momentum of what it's doing now. Okay. And then for your other business, what's your big goal? So we are making some changes. I've eliminated some products. And so, and I'm adding the last couple of years, I've had products that were shipped from Kenya and I imported them from Kenya from a business that was there that was also handmade, right? She's a small business and she is a woman entrepreneur like the two of us. Anyway, I imported her work. And so I'm moving away from that. And I'm going back towards the handmade that I made. So the jewelry and the handbags will be my work, right? And so I'm getting ready to start offering in 2023 something I have not offered ever. And I'll tell you first. (laughs) (laughs) But my work normally consists of bracelets and necklaces. And in 2023, we're going to start offering earrings. Oh, good. And you're going to be making them. Yep. All me. Wow. wow. That is amazing. Well, that is good. That is good. So you're looking for expansion. Yes. 2023 is a year of expansion for you and both of your businesses. I think there's a level of expansion. I feel like with Five and S to S with the retail part of that, 
there is an expansion because we're adding the earrings, a product that I've not had, but we're also going back to the foundation, you know, of by Vanessa S. Because I started with making with my jewelry. And, you know, Nikia, something that I did not realize that a lot of the customers that I had when I was making the jewelry, once I added the African jewelry component in, it was like, oh, okay, you know, we like that. That's cute. When are you going to make more jewelry? <laughs> right? wow. Because they like that handmade. They like the authenticity, you know, yes. of it. And so I had to listen to that, right? I had yeah. to listen to that. And so that was something I'm expanding, but I'm also going back to the foundation. Wow. Well, going that's good. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I know that you mentioned that this was not your first business. This was your third business. And so that tells me that you're quite experienced in entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. and in just the highs and lows, the ups, downs of that. And so before we close this interview, I would Mm -hmm. love for you to share with our listeners, you know, if you had to pick one, if you can't pick one and it needs to be two, I'll let you do two. But if you had to pick (laughs) one lesson in entrepreneurship that you learned that you wish you had learned sooner, Mm -hmm. what would that be? That's a great question. Nikki, I think it's important for business owners, entrepreneurs, small business, independent, however they want to categorize themselves. I think it's first important for them to do that, categorize themselves, right? Because there is a difference. And if you can't describe yourself, people will call you anything. You know, they react to you that way. So one, I think definition, defining who you are and what you do is important. But the lesson for me that was resounding through every business I've had was the need to be flexible. I think it's important that, you know, you have a plan, you have a goal, but be flexible. It's okay to say, okay, maybe not this way, maybe that way. And I think sometimes we're too rigid and, you know, we want to see it go a certain way or things do something a certain way. I think if we allow for flexibility, I think that helps to create more of an option of what you really want to do. You know, I often ask a question. I'll say, what's the real question when someone asks something? It sounds a little bit ambiguous. It's like, well, what's the real question? I think if we have that approach as entrepreneurs to say, okay, well, what are we really trying to do here? That allows for us to be flexible. And in that flexibility, I think we'll find what we're really trying to do and really trying to understand. And I think that's what will help you be successful. I love that. And as I was listening to you say that, I thought about you in this podcast, right? (laughs) Because you started the first one Mm -hmm. and you had an idea of what it is that you wanted. But what you really wanted was this community. Right. And to build this. And so if you were not being flexible, Mm -hmm. you would have kept going down a path that was just not bringing you the freedom and the pleasure in what it was that you were doing, right? Right. And can I say this, Nakia? Understand that when I chose to change direction in the podcast, I had a lot of resistance. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about resistance from me doing it, but I asked, I didn't have a problem. I'm in a group that has, you know, has to do with podcasting. And I asked the question, had anyone done this before? How did you go about doing it? You know, how did it work for you? And a lot of people, and you know, especially when you're on, you know, this cyber world, people have a lot to say, but a lot of people were just negative. No, you don't want to do that. 
you know, you stick with what you have and you do it this way. Wow. Or cre- yeah, it was just kind of like, no, you know, you don't want to do that. That's going to be the death of you and blah, 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 blah. I mean, it was really, but you had those that said, if you're going to do it, right, you have to do it a certain way, figure out what that way is. And so with all the negative, and they weren't negative towards me. They were just yeah. negative towards me shifting, right? Yeah. And so what I decided to do, I said, okay, I know what to do. I'll do it this way. When I decided to make the shift, I actually did one episode that said, hey, I'm making some changes here, right? Yeah. It was one episode and I explained what I was doing and where I was going and this, that, and the other. And I haven't had any issues. People loved it. They thanked me, my guests, you know, and so I'm just saying that even if being flexible, it doesn't mean that people are going to align with it, not yeah. going to like it. They may not support it, but being flexible. Yeah, you're right. It worked for me. And I did it the way I felt like I needed to do it. Now, I couldn't have planned this if I wanted to, but I just think <laughs> I have to point out how completely aligned what you just said. I had no idea what your response was going to be to my question, okay. but how aligned it is to the purpose of this podcast, right? Okay. This podcast uh, is the Build Your Own Table podcast, meaning you're not waiting for a seat. Right. We're not waiting for permission. We're not walking the path that someone else has set for us. Right. We are writing our own rules and doing the complete, having complete control over our own destiny. Absolutely. That's the whole reason I started this podcast. <laughs> I had no idea what your answer to be. And what you said, you are underscoring everything that I believe deep down in my soul about life, right? right? And I'm just so, I could not have planned that any better. So thank you <laughs> for confirmation that the Build Your Own Table podcast is designed. I want to empower every person listening right. to feel that within yourself. Be okay with right. other people not agreeing. They can't see it. They don't have the vision. They don't think it's going to work. Not even that they're being negative purposely. They just don't have the vision that you had, right? It's your vision. So it's no your one is, vision. It's your vision. So no yeah. one is going to see it like yeah. you. It's your yeah. vision, right? The yeah. Bible says, write the vision, make it plain. It's, it's right there for you. It's yours, right? And it's not up to you to make it plain for someone else. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I have completely enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed, as I knew I would, um, speaking with you today. I love these gems that you have shared about you and your journey. And so please just let us know where can people find you if they want to connect with you, if they want to buy some of these handbags and (laughs) this beautiful jewelry that you're making, um, how can we find you? So you can go to my website, which is www. By Vanessa S.com. B-Y Vanessa S.com. By Vanessa S.com. You can go there to listen to the podcast. You can go to www.thehandmaidmentor.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate it. This was fantastic. I love it. And Nakia, I have said this to you before, girl, everything that you're doing is amazing. And I appreciate the fact that we have someone like yourself that understands, you know, our world, right? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And intellectual property, entertainment. I love what you're doing. I love how you're doing it. And I appreciate you for inviting me to be on your show. If you ever need me for anything, you know how to get in touch with me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. 
I hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you did, remember to hit subscribe and head over to buildyourowntablepodcast.com to stay updated and connected with me. I'm Nakia Gray. I'll see you next time.